week, we are in week four of our Advent series, and we're talking about peace, the coming of peace. In the coming of Jesus, uh, we have the coming of peace. And I want to start by reading uh, this morning from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. I tell you what, before I do that, let's, let's pray together for the rest of our time, and then we'll look at these verses, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Uh, and I ask when I, when I pray here, like the Lord hears all of our prayers. So I, I ask if you would just pray with me, like pray that the Holy Spirit would be especially good today. Um, this is a hard season for a lot of us. We're talking about peace, uh, something that a lot of us don't experience during the Christmas season. Um, pray with me that the Holy Spirit would be good to help us have that peace this season, um, that the Holy Spirit would be good to uh, make Christ uh, beautiful to us today. Would you pray that with me? Yeah, let's pray together. Father, we come uh, needy. We do. Uh, we, are, we are stretched. And a lot of us are maybe stressed. Uh, the holidays remind us of hurts and pains and all of that. Uh, and so, Father, I pray especially for, for those of us who find our, ourselves at a time where we are lacking peace. I pray that you would help us this morning, Holy Spirit, to, to see more of the Christmas story, um, to see more of the coming of the Prince of Peace. I pray that you would help us to believe that peace, peace is real and peace is possible because of Jesus. Uh, Holy Spirit, we need, we need you. We need the peace that surpasses all understanding. Help us to see this morning that that can only be found in Jesus. We love you. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, um, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be with all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at, the shep at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So this scene, right, we're, we're probably pretty familiar with as far as the Christmas story and Jesus, the angel coming to the, to the shepherds as they were out tending the, the, the sheep. 
But this scene, you really have to use your imagination when you read this to to appreciate what's happening. This scene is, is huge. And incredible and dramatic and powerful and for these shepherds, uh, life-changing and, and scary too. Like how scary would it be if you were one of the shepherds just out going about what you do every night and there appears before you an angel in the sky and the sky is lit up really with the glory of God himself. These shepherds come in that dark night declaring it's finally time. I mean, that's what they were doing with the shepherds, declaring to the shepherds that the king had come. The Savior who had been promised for so long was finally here, the Messiah, the Messiah, the Christ that they waited for. Glory to God, they proclaim. Glory to God and peace among men. I can't help um, but think about these shepherds, right? I, I know that they were scared when this incredible thing happened and the angel appears in the night sky. That had to be incredibly scary. But these shepherds, they receive this information knowing what the angel is talking about. And so what that tells me is they were familiar with this story. These were shepherds who were longing for the Messiah to come longing for him to come. I I, I can't help but be taken to um, the prophecy of Isaiah, 700 plus years before this. And these shepherds probably, uh, almost certainly, clung to this prophecy, knowing, knowing the promises of God. In Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2, the prophet wrote, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. Talking about this promised one who is coming. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every, every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. No more fighting, no more wars. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. When he comes... When he comes, there will be a great light. He is the great light, a great light in the darkness. The gloom and the sadness will be over. There will be no more oppression. There will will only be gladness. A child will be born, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. His will be a kingdom of justice and righteousness, and there will be peace for God's people forevermore. Christmas is a reminder that in the midst of the darkness and death, 
the Prince of Peace comes. And He has come. If we are talking about this peace and the offering of this peace for us, especially here at Christmas, maybe we should start by defining what peace is. Peace. Listen to this. Freedom from disturbance. Quiet tranquility. Harmony in relationships. A pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity. Those words again, peace, tranquility, calm, harmony, an end to hostilities and enmity. All of that summarizes what, what peace means. This is what peace is. Now, let me ask you honestly, does that sound like this Christmas season? But this peace has come. This peace has come because Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has come. So I I, want to talk about how it is that Jesus brings us peace. A peace that is greater than our circumstances. A a peace that that we can have even in the midst of of the chaos of of this season and of our lives and, and of broken relationships and everything that goes with it. How can we have peace? How is Jesus the Prince of Peace? Let's start with this one. Number one, Jesus brings peace between God and man. This is huge. Jesus has come to bring peace between us and God. Romans 5, chapter 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we go to the book of of Romans, we look at chapters 1 through 3, Paul outlines this this truth. And the truth is that we were born uh, in sin. And and, and the truth is that that every, every day we live in a world of sin. And this truth is that that there is none righteous, not one. Romans 3.10 sort of summarizes that. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And listen, that includes me and you. We are a part of that all. We have all sinned. And the truth is, even when we try our hardest, we continue, we continue to sin. Sin, sin is doing the things that God told us not to do or not doing the things that God told us that we ought to do. You know, a, a couple of huge sins that, 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 that summarize all of the commandments of God. God said, love me above all else. This is the first and greatest command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all of, all of Scripture, all of the commands. How often do we spend our days loving so many things more than we love God? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
how often do we love ourselves more than we love our neighbor? Again, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. That sin separates us from God and from his righteousness. It separates us from, from God himself. And here's the thing about us uh, humans outside of Christ. We can try to do better. We can try to do better. If you have ever truly pursued God, you have tried to do better, haven't you? Has anybody ever just said, that's it, I'm not going to sin anymore? Huh? Because I, I, I say that often, but, and we laugh about it every time. It's kind of funny. It's funny because we know, we know how broken that is. But, but I've done that. I've said, like, that's it, I'm done, I'm not sinning anymore. Here's the problem with us. No matter how hard we try, we still mess up. We, we, we still slip, we, we still fall, we still fail. Even when we are trying, we, we still commit sins. We do things that God told us not to do. We don't do things that God told us that we should do. We all continue to sin, and, and that means that apart from Christ, as we'll see in a moment, we are separated from God. Listen, it gets worse, okay, because even if today, even if today we said, okay, I'm not going to sin anymore, I'm done sinning, I am only going to do what is good and right in the eyes of God, even if we could start doing that today, we have no way on our own to undo all the sins that we've already committed, all of those sins would still be there. And all of those sins would still separate us from God. So I, I want you to hear this morning the really terrible news. We have all sinned and we all come short of the glory of God. And that means on our own, we will forevermore be separated from God because we cannot be perfect and holy and righteous. And even if we could start being that today, we could not undo what's already been done. That's bad news, isn't it? That is terrible news. But here is the good news. The good news is that God has done what we could not God has done what none of us could ever do. He did the work of making us righteous where we could not do that work. God did it for us. God has justified us. That's, that's really what justified means. Is it, it means to make us right, to make us right in his eyes. We could not make ourselves right. And so God has done the work of making us right in his own eyes. We could not justify ourselves, so God did that for us. How did he do that? Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. Christ died for the ungodly, for the unrighteous, for the sinner, for the sinner. Now, the gospel is much more than Christ died. First, first Christ came, right? He was born. That's what Christmas is about. And, and, and he lived the life of perfection and holiness and righteousness that every one of us fail at. He did what we could not do. 
His coming and living that life was for our good. Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross in our place, taking, taking the wrath of God that we deserve because of our sin. He went to the cross for us so that we wouldn't have to suffer the wrath of God. He suffered the wrath for us. Substitutionary atonement is the theological term for that. He substituted himself for us. On the third day, on the third day, the Spirit filled him, and Jesus rose from the dead, defeating death and sin and Satan, and he did that for us. And so when we come to him by faith, that's what the Bible says, when we come to him by faith, trusting in his work, trusting in his righteousness, believing in this good news that he has done what we cannot do. When we trust in that gospel, when we trust in his righteousness and his perfection, then that is given to us. The Bible says it is imputed to us. That means it's credited to us as if we have been holy and righteous and pure and perfect. What Jesus was is given to us as a free gift through faith, and in him we are made that in the eyes of God. That's good news, isn't it? His righteousness given to us through faith is what justifies us, not our works. God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. Romans 4, 22 says, that is why his faith, talking about Abraham, was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Again, I go back to chapter 5, verse 1 in Romans. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We have peace with God because of the work of Christ. We have peace. We were once enemies with God, Romans 5.10, and and we were children deserving the wrath of God, his anger and vengeance. We deserve for his anger and vengeance towards sin to be poured out on us forevermore. That is what we deserve because of our sin. But now we have peace. There is no enmity between us and him. We have peace in Christ. We are not enemies. We are brought near. We are made heirs and co-heirs with Christ. We who were, were enemies of God are brought near and made children of the Most High God in Jesus. Jesus bringing an end to the hostility that existed. Incredible. And, and, and here is the truth of this beautiful news. No matter what the, the circumstances are that we find ourselves in, There is peace between us and our Father. And that peace is unbreakable and will last forever because it is not rooted in your goodness or your perfection. It is rooted in the goodness and perfection of Jesus. That is the good news of the gospel. 
So Jesus makes peace, right? The the coming of the Prince of Peace. This was Jesus coming to make peace between us and God. Jesus also brings peace between men, between mankind, between humanity. Sin not only causes a separation between us and God, this vertical separation, but it, it causes separation between horizontally humanity, right? You, 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 you guys, I'm not the only one who experiences broken relationships in life, right? The difficulty there. This is not what we were created for. This is a result of sin coming into the world. This is the result of the fall. But listen to me. Jesus brings peace even horizontally to us. Now, if we think about that peace, we were created with that peace. We see it in Adam and Eve in the start of the book of Genesis. God created them perfectly for one another. They were, they were a perfect match for one another. God put them together perfectly. But we see in the garden, uh, at least in our Bible, it's a short time, and the, the serpent comes, Satan, and he tempts Adam, and he, he tempts Eve. Eve takes of the fruit, the forbidden fruit. God said, it's all yours except for this one thing. Leave that one alone, and the day that you take that fruit, you will surely die. Eve was tempted by the serpent. She took of the fruit, and she turned, and she handed it to Adam. And when that happened, sin entered into, into the world, and everything was changed. God comes. God comes, and he, he, he says, what in the world did you do? Eve immediately blames the serpent. Listen, it wasn't my fault. It was the serpent's fault. Adam, Adam blames, blames Eve, right? Adam blames Eve. This, this perfect couple together, he's throwing her under the bus as soon as there is a problem. Oh, it was Eve, God. And worse than that, he blames God. It was Eve. She was the one that caused it. But really, it's you because you gave her to me. God, this is all your fault. Do you see the horizontal relationship between Adam and Eve broken when sin entered into the world? We we, we see this relationship with God broken, all of that when sin entered into the world. If you turn the pages of the Bible, man, you see it happening over and over and over again. Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. Adam and Eve have children, and what do her sons do? One kills the other. In jealousy and anger, we, we have murder. Turn the pages again and again and again, and there is fighting and blaming. There is hating and killing, and there is war, and it, it, it goes throughout the Bible, and that describes the world that we live in today, right? One of the great pictures of the divide that sin brought to humanity, to mankind, in the Bible, we see it in the relationship of Jew and Gentile. Um, very broken relationship. And, and, and there was, indeed, if you, if you study the Bible, there was, there was God's intent was that Israel would bring the Gentile nations to him right? And that they would repent and follow God. His his plan from the beginning was to make one people. But what we have in in the Bible, we see Jews hating Gentiles. And they're not on a mission to redeem and restore. 
They make it their mission to separate and to stay separated. They make it their mission to, to hate the Gentiles, and the Gentiles felt the same way about the Jews. There was this huge divide that existed between them. This we see throughout the Old Testament. It was a problem for the early church, this divide between them. If we think about that in, in terms of the world that we live in, probably the closest division that, that we know of is the hate in the South, the divide that existed between black and white, and still exists today. In Ephesians 2 and 3, Paul explains that something amazing has taken place with the coming of the Prince of Peace and his life, death, and resurrection. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, he's talking about the Gentiles here, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Right? Between horizontal relationships, between Jew and Gentile, he is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. How? By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility that exists on this horizontal level. In Christ, Paul is saying, the enmity has been wiped out. Hostility is gone in Christ. The hatred that you had for one another is wiped out in Christ. The division that existed between Jew and Gentile and black and white or brown or rich or poor or whatever it is, it is gone in Christ. The two, Paul says, are reconciled in Christ and made into, into one. There is peace. And this peace is accomplished through the blood of Jesus. Right? This is, this is where we have failed to teach the gospel for so many years. We, 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 we teach the gospel of if you believe in Jesus and, and do this thing or say this prayer, then, then there you go, you're saved. That's the gospel. Let me tell you, this is the good news of the gospel. That the enmity that existed between the races, the hatred that existed, Christ has taken care of that in his life and his death and his resurrection. Amen. There should be no racism. There should be no divide in Christ because God has made for himself one people, destroying the wall of hostility. E even more than that, we don't believe this we, uh, functionally. Even more than just saying, hey, Jesus has died for you all and he's made you one people, the church, so don't have this enmity. Man, God took it a step further. God said, I, I, I am a father to my black people. I am a father to my white people. I am a father to my brown people. And all of you people are my children. Now, what do we call children who share the same father? 
brothers and sisters. See, God took it further in Christ and he made us family. We are family. There is no divide in Christ. The, the, the two, the three, the four, whatever the separations were, they are all gone in Christ. In Christ, he has made peace for us. So is, is Jesus really the Prince of Peace? Absolutely. He has come and he has brought peace between God and man. He has come and he brings peace between man. He also brings a peace that surpasses all understanding. Lindsay read this verse earlier, I think it was Lindsay. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One of the amazing things about these verses to me is that Paul was writing basically from jail. And in jail, and not knowing for sure what his future was going to be, he is saying, man, don't be anxious There's a peace that surpasses all understanding, and it is yours in Christ. Now, if you study the life of Paul uh, even a little bit more, you see that his life was full of hurt and full of suffering and and almost always in danger of, of being taken because people were always after the apostle Paul. In fact, prison might have been the safest place that he could be. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in the second half of verse 23, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, I I, I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Let me pause right there to tell you what that is. So he was being beaten by the Jews because he was a Christian. The 40 lashes minus one. Um, The Romans had figured out that at 40 lashes, most people died. So they did 40 minus one. How gruesome is that? Five times, he says, five times at the hand of the Romans, I received those 40 minus ones. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from all of that and other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And it's in the midst of this suffering and now being in prison in Philippians that that Paul writes, there is a peace that is available to us that is absolutely beyond our understanding. I mean, Paul doesn't even have words for it. It is a peace that surpasses all that we can understand and all that we can comprehend. 
Paul says it's there for you. In Christ, the Prince of Peace has brought it to you. I I wish that I lived in that peace. I don't. Just like the rest of you. I've experienced it. Right? I, have, I have been there before in, in, in quitting a good job to go back to school with my, my family, in taking my first church, a full-time, a full-time job with, with very, very, very part-time pay, in the death of, of people who have been very close to me and my family, in planting new city, I mean, crazy things in my life. And yet, in the midst of those crazy things and all of the uncertainty, I have experienced the peace that Paul is talking about, uh, uh, the peace that, that, that is indescribable, that only the Prince of Peace can give us, that only supernaturally we can experience. I think as I, was, as I was getting ready for this morning, thinking about that peace and why, why I often don't experience that peace, I, I think when I don't, it's because of disbelief in my own life. It, 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 is, it is because my hope and my confidence is somewhere in those circumstances rather in the Prince of Peace. Are you with me? I don't believe the promises of God. I don't believe the promises of God in the midst of those circumstances, and so I, I lose the peace that, that he offers me. I, I think that peace is ours when our hope and our confidence is deep, deeply um, rooted and believed in who he is and what he's done for us. And, and in believing that, that he is faithful and he is true and whatever promise he has made, he will fulfill when I have, looking back on my life, when I have experienced that peace, those are the times when I believed the promises of God. I believed, I believed when I took that first church position and the pay was, was so low. I believe the promise that God made to us, seek, seek me and my, my righteousness, seek my kingdom and I'll provide for all of your needs. And so I was at peace. Believing that promise, resting in him, he will provide. What happens when we don't believe that he is our provider is inner turmoil and chaos. And we begin to believe that we have to take care of ourselves. We have to meet our own needs and what is there is not enough. So we begin to to strive to do what he has promised that he would do. The same is true in the gospel that I proclaimed earlier to you, and it is so hard sometimes for us to believe, like that he, 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 he loves us even when we fail, that we have not removed ourselves as his child when we struggle. It, it is so hard for us to believe. But, but if I don't believe that grace, that grace that I described is, is, is real and, and true, if I don't believe that my standing with my Father does not depend on me, but depends wholly on Jesus and what he has done for me, when I don't believe that, then I have inner turmoil about having to work to please my Father. And I begin to struggle and, and I begin to strive to make sure that I am doing enough right to keep him happy. Have you ever been there? 
think some of us spend most of our life there and never enjoy the freedom of the grace that he gives to us. I think most of us spend our life striving to do what Jesus has already done for us. We weary ourselves striving to earn good standing, trying to do enough to keep him happy and in Christ. He is happy with you. The peace that surpasses all understanding is ours through faith. So the Prince of Peace has come. That's what Christmas is about. It reminds us that peace should be ours, even when we are in the middle of a season that is not always very peaceful. The angels declared peace among men. Peace has come. Jesus makes peace between us and God. Jesus makes peace between us as people horizontally. Jesus offers us a peace that surpasses all understanding. So maybe you're sitting there and wondering, where in the world is it? It is here. Jesus does bring it. Jesus has brought it. We can truly, we can truly see it. I, I have experienced it. We can, we can taste it, but it is not yet what it will be. It is not yet what it will be. And listen to me, this is where we find ourselves to be like Israel in the Old Testament, waiting. Waiting. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Anticipating, hoping, hoping that we can, can live in this peace. That's where, that's where Israel was. That's where the shepherds were when the angel appeared in the sky. This is why the shepherds were so overwhelmed with joy. We've got to go now to Bethlehem and see what the angels are declaring. waiting and holding on in the darkness. In Christ, we, we, do, we do have a taste of all of this, but there is, there is, is coming a day. For, for today, we see dimly. That's the way the Apostle Paul said it. We, we see dimly, but a day is coming when we will see fully, when we will, when we will know Him fully, when we will see Him face to face. And then, and then, in that day, he will bring peace on earth forevermore. Jesus told his disciples after his resurrection that, that for a little while he would be leaving them, but he made a promise, I'm coming back. I'm coming back and I am going to finish what has been started. The book of Revelation gives a, a glimpse of that to, to John. John writes the book of the Revelation, and in chapters 19 and 20, we get a glimpse of the day that Jesus comes back, or the time when Jesus comes back and, and finishes what he started. He will come, we read, and he will bring judgment against his enemies. He will bring judgment against his enemies. Evil will not reign forever because the Prince of Peace is coming back. Satan and, and the angels who followed him will be cast into uh, the, the, the lake of fire. Those who stand against 
against Jesus, those who do not believe in him, who don't love and follow him, they too will be judged and join Satan. Then we read in chapter 21 this, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Beautiful. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mournings, nor nor crying, nor pain anywhere, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Verses 9 through 21 describe the new Jerusalem, this great city that God's people will dwell in, and, and, and he will dwell with us, his people. He will be with us. Verse 22 says, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no more night. And forevermore, what John is saying, forevermore there will be peace. No more striving, no more strife, no more envy, no more injustice, no more racism, no more war, no more fighting. Peace, because the Prince of Peace has come. That is the peace we long for. Because of Jesus, we, we, we have peace with God. Because of Jesus, we, we have peace with one another. Because of Jesus, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And while we do not yet fully enjoy all of that peace, we will. Because the Prince of Peace is coming back. And Jesus will bring this peace to earth forever and ever and ever. Christmas is almost here. Many of us are already in the, in the middle of, of all of the Christmas parties and the gatherings. And I, 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 I say this, right? I, I, and I mean it. Enjoy those things. Enjoy those things, enjoy your family, enjoy your friends, enjoy the presence, enjoy, enjoy all of it, enjoy it all as, as a gift of God, a gift of grace from Him. 
But believer, I, 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 I don't want you to forget in the middle of your celebration the reason that we celebrate. I, I don't want you to forget, even in the, the midst of the turmoil and maybe the doubt and the, and the, the feelings of loss, don't forget even there what this season is about. And ultimately, ultimately it is about Jesus. Jesus who came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Jesus coming to fulfill all of the longings of our heart. Celebrate, celebrate that through his life, death, and resurrection, our faith in that, all of that is ours. Celebrate the demonstration in, in his coming of his great love for us. Celebrate that through faith we, we, we can have hope. We can have joy. We can have peace. Celebrate Jesus as the gift of Christmas. And listen to me. Share that gift. Share the gift of hope because you have hope. Share the gift of joy because no matter what the circumstances are, you understand the joy that is yours in Christ. Celebrate the peace that is yours. Unbeliever. If you're here this morning as an unbeliever, only Jesus, only Jesus can do the things that we have talked about. Only Jesus can, 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 can truly love you in the way that you desire to be loved. O only in Jesus will you find that love. Only in Jesus will, will you find the hope, the hope that you so desire. Only in Jesus can you find true and lasting joy. Only in Jesus will you find true peace. Peace with God and peace with others. Jesus offers you that today. All of that he offers you. If you would believe, repent, turn, turn from, from self-righteousness, turn from saving yourself, turn from your disbelief and believe the good news of the gospel today and that is yours. New City, Merry Christmas. The Prince of Peace has come. Amen? The Prince of Peace has come. Believe and find the peace, even in the midst of chaos, find the peace that you long for. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that, man, our hope, our joy, the truth of love, peace, the peace that we all long for, the peace that was lost in the garden. Thank you that all of those things don't depend on our perfection, but they are a gift to us in Christ. I pray this Christmas, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us that in Jesus, these are all ours. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. It's in his name we pray.